Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says some China tariffs from the Trump era serve no strategic purpose. Does it signal the end of some of them amid record high inflation? International Swimming Federation FINA ruling to restrict transgender athletes competing in elite women's events. Find out how female athletes are reacting. Apple store workers at a location in Maryland have voted to unionize. They are the first employees of the U.S. tech giant to do so. Amid soaring inflation, the Biden administration is considering removing some China tariffs that were imposed during the Trump era. Both the Treasury Secretary and the President mentioned it over the weekend. And today's Jessica Beatty reports. President Biden may remove some China tariffs to try to bring down inflation. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen told ABC's This Week Sunday that everyone recognizes that China doesn't play fair when it comes to trade and it's important to address. But she said some of the tariffs they inherited served no strategic purpose and raised costs for consumers. And so reconfiguring some of those tariffs so they make more sense and reduce unnecessary burdens is something that's under consideration. President Biden told reporters Saturday he plans to talk to Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping soon as he weighs whether to lift some China tariffs from the Trump era. Top national security and economic aides are completing a review of U.S. tariff policy and making recommendations. Have you made up your mind on China tariffs, sir? Uh, we're in the process of doing that. You're, you're, you're lifting the tariffs? I, we're in the process of making up my mind. Former President Trump imposed up to 25 percent tariffs on billions of dollars of Chinese goods. It was to combat the Chinese regime's unfair trade practices. Last month, Republican Senator Bill Hagerty told Fox Business that removing the China tariffs would take away the only trade leverage the U.S. has. I can understand why Catherine Tai, the current trade representative, doesn't want to do this. It's just another gimmick that the Biden administration is pursuing and, again, a net benefit to China. Meanwhile, Yellen also said Sunday that she believes the U.S. economy will slow down, but she doesn't believe a recession is inevitable. Americans aren't so optimistic. A poll carried out last week by The Economist and YouGov found that 56 percent of Americans think the U.S. is already in a recession. And according to the latest survey by business research firm The Conference Board, 15 percent of global CEOs claim their regions are already in a recession. More than 60 percent of global CEOs expect a recession in the next 12 to 18 months. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. The U.S. government may take action against airlines on consumers' behalf. That's amid numerous flight cancellations in recent weeks, including more than 2,000 on June 18th and 19th. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said his office would first determine how airlines are handling increased travel associated with the 4th of July. That's before the federal government would take any action. According to data from FlightAware, about 2,700 flights were canceled on Memorial Day weekend, and about 700 U.S. flights were scrapped early on June 19th after about 1,300 flights were canceled a day earlier. A letter posted by Delta Pilots says they were flying a record amount of overtime hours amid cancellations. Airlines have acknowledged staffing shortages as the industry came back faster than expected from pandemic lows. They are scrambling to hire pilots and other workers. That's to replace employees they encouraged to quit after the pandemic hit and others they fired for not complying with vaccine mandates. 
Some airline unions say there's no pilot shortage and that airlines are merely trying to extract more money from consumers. Juneteenth is a federal holiday commemorating an important date in American history. The event was celebrated Saturday in its birthplace of Galveston, Texas. That's where Union General Gordon Granger traveled with a message for the 250,000 slaves in Texas. The Civil War was over and slavery had ended. The date was June 19, 1865, and it's now celebrated as the end of slavery in the United States. Juneteenth kicked off in Galveston, Texas on Saturday, commemorating the end of the legal enslavement of black Americans nearly 160 years ago. During the event at Ashton Villa, the former headquarters for Galveston's Confederate Army, Alana Edwards Holloway, praised the efforts of her father, former state representative Al Edwards. The Houston legislator helped make Juneteenth a statewide holiday in 1980. Last year, Biden signed into law a bill that made Juneteenth a federal holiday. A Juneteenth parade saw community members throwing candy and gifts to the crowds. Grady Green traveled from Atlanta to embrace the holiday and promote unity. It's for the people. It's for the people. Uh, we appreciate it that it became a federal holiday so we can celebrate as one people because we are the people. And uh, like I said, it's a historical moment. Juneteenth became the 11th federally recognized holiday in the United States. The governing body for international swimming and other water sports has decided to ban transgender athletes from competing in women's events. The new policies go into effect today. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more. In a notice on Sunday, the International Swimming Federation, FINA, declared biological male swimmers will only be allowed to compete in competitive women's events if they have not experienced any part of male puberty or had puberty suppressed before the age of 12. We have to protect the rights of all our athletes to compete. But we also have to protect competitive fairness at our events, especially women's competition. As part of the new policy, the organization plans to establish a separate category for transgender athletes for some events. The decision was reached after the policy was voted on by members of 152 national federations with voting rights who gathered for Congress. Close to 72% voted in favor of restricting the participation of transgender athletes in elite women's competitions. Only 15% voted to oppose it. 72 to 15, or the, I think it was 13% abstaining. Getting 72% of people to agree on the earth being round today is not that easy. During the Congress, members heard reports from a transgender task force made up of leading medical, legal, and sports figures. Several doctors and scientists argued puberty gives a clear physical advantage to males over females. Australian four-time Olympic gold medalist Kate Campbell addressed FINA before the vote, urging them to protect the fairness of the female category distinction in elite sports. I really asking for a policy that pays attention to inclusiveness but prioritizes fairness. Sharon Davies, former Olympic swimmer and silver medal winner at the 1980 Olympic Games, welcomed the decision, saying fairness is the cornerstone of the sport. Biological women who identify as men will be able to fully compete in men's swimming events. All athletes must certify their chromosomal sex with their member federation in order to be eligible for FINA competitions. Failing to do so will render the athlete ineligible. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. 
Texas Republicans passed a resolution stating President Biden was not legitimately elected. It also states that substantial election fraud in key metropolitan areas influenced the results of the 2020 election. The Texas Tribune reported that the resolution was passed on the last day of a three-day Texas GOP convention in Houston. The state's Republican Party passed the resolution after delegates sat through a screening of the documentary 2000 Mules, which is directed by Dinesh D'Souza. The movie draws on cell phone location data paired with video surveillance footage to look at alleged fraud in the election. In the resolution, the group called on conservative voters in the state to work to overwhelm any possibility of voter fraud in the future. The communication director for the Republican Party of Texas told the Epic Times that 5,500 delegates attended the convention. He said it's an opportunity to set priorities for the next legislative session and elect party leaders. Workers at an Apple store in Maryland voted to unionize on Saturday. They are the first employees of the tech giant in the U.S. to do so. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers said more than 100 employees voted to join their union. The local workers said in a letter written to Apple CEO Tim Cook that they had the support of a solid majority of their co-workers. An Apple spokesperson told Reuters by email that they had nothing to add at this time. Unionization efforts are gaining momentum at some large U.S. corporations, including Amazon and Starbucks. Apple workers in Atlanta, who were seeking to unionize, withdrew their request last month, claiming intimidation. Some current and former Apple workers last year began criticizing the company's working conditions online using the hashtag Apple2. Investor Warren Buffett's auction for lunch just went for a record-breaking price, $19 million. The bidder remains anonymous, but whoever it is, they get to have a private steak lunch with Buffett and up to seven guests. They will be dining at Smith & Walensky Steakhouse in New York City. This year's huge sum is more than four times the winning bid in 2019. That was the last auction before the COVID-19 pandemic. This year's lunch will be the last one auctioned off with Buffett. The money goes to the Glide Foundation. It's a San Francisco-based nonprofit combating poverty, hunger, and homelessness. And coming up, a restaurant-owning couple faces hurdles after the flood in Yellowstone National Park. Their restaurant is no longer as accessible as it once was, and they're losing business. And the House of Representatives issues a report about a popular pet collar that is believed to be killing pets. Government agencies are taking blame over inaction. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD News. Businesses that survived the flood in Yellowstone area last week now have a new threat, closed roads. The floodwaters wiped out bridges and roads, isolating communities. A key bridge that leads to the tourist town of Fishtail collapsed, causing traffic to divert through a single-lane county road. Lee Johnson runs a restaurant called Montasia. It's a Montana Malaysian restaurant he runs with his wife and daughter. He says the limited access is costing them dearly. When we opened for the first time after the flood, um, it started just dead. And you start to have that sense of dread creep in. Did I do all this? Did I sink all this money in if I started this business and people can't even get here anymore? Johnson and his wife, Yoki, who is from Malaysia, took over the lease on a beloved 124-year-old building in Fishtail, Montana, earlier this year, transferring their restaurant from another part of the state. For Yoki, the business was a dream come true. 
my cancer came back last year, and I want to fulfill my bucket list. Been in Montana since 97, and finally be able to own something with my family. So to me, that, that's, that's my biggest goal. She had beat cancer a few years ago, but it returned late last year in a more aggressive form and has spread across her body. I'm not sure how many time I have left. So the time that I have left, I, I want to be with my family, work with them every day, see them every day. Even before the couple took over the property, it had been a watering hole for a group of local retired men who played pool on Friday afternoons. Today, they are celebrating some of their birthdays and bring Yoki and her family pieces of cake, bantering with them as they serve up rounds of beer. This is my wife's dream. This restaurant is my wife's baby. It's on her bucket list. It's one of the last things on her bucket list. And um, I just am humbled to be able to help her on that journey. No matter the new economic hardships they face, as roads remain closed into their town, Johnson says there's no closing the place. A bus driver at Walt Disney World was one of 12 people arrested in an online child sexual predator sting. During Operation Child Predator 2, officers posed as minors on online sites and mobile apps. The purpose was to see who would try to prey upon those they believed were children for illegal sexual activity. The sting netted individuals between the ages of 20 and 67. A 30-year-old Disney employee was among them. His mugshot shows him in his Disney World bus driver uniform. Officials say he engaged in inappropriate communication with a detective he believed to be a 15-year-old girl while he was at work. He allegedly sent a nude picture of himself to the detective. Louisville police are looking for the man who punched their city's mayor in the face Saturday night. Mayor Greg Fisher was at a popular downtown area when he was assaulted. Louisville police released several screen grabs from surveillance video showing a man they're calling a suspect. According to a Facebook post, investigators say the mayor is doing fine. Fisher, a Democrat, is in his third term as mayor of Kentucky's largest city and cannot run again due to term limits. Craig Greenberg, the 2022 Democratic nominee to replace him, survived an apparent assassination attempt in February. On Twitter, Greenberg sent well wishes to Mayor Fisher, saying, quote, we cannot resolve our disagreements with violence, unquote. Four inmates escaped from prison Saturday. The U.S. Marshals Service and the FBI are now helping in the manhunt. Authorities say the men escaped from a federal prison satellite camp in Hopewell, Virginia. The inmates are Corey Branch, Travaris Graham, Lamonte Willis, and Kareem Allen Shaw. Authorities aren't releasing details about how the escape occurred. The Federal Bureau of Prisons is calling it a walkaway. The satellite camp is listed as a minimum security facility, which currently houses 185 male inmates. A House of Representatives report finds the use of Ceresto flea and tick collars was linked to the deaths of thousands of pets. The popular pet collar was launched in 2013. The product offers eight months of flea and tick protection for dogs and cats under $70. This attracted considerable interest from pet owners. Almost 34 million Ceresto collars were sold in the United States by Bayer Animal Health and Alonco Animal Health. The report says the collars caused more than 98,000 incidents and 2,500 pet deaths. It accuses the Environmental Protection Agency of failing to take action against the collar despite being aware of the dangers for several years. The report was released Thursday before a hearing with testimony from several people whose pets had died. 
During the hearing, the chief executive of Alanco Animal Health called the risks posed by the collar reasonable. No one was hurt when a 70-foot yacht burst into flames and sank in waters between Maine and New Hampshire. Authorities say the yacht, called Elusive, sank in the Piscataqua River near Kittery, Maine, Saturday. It was heading to Wentworth Marina when a passenger saw that black smoke was billowing from the ship's lower deck. Within minutes, the boat was shrouded in smoke. That's what passengers told state police. Three passengers, 67-year-old Arthur Watson, 57-year-old Diane Watson, and 33-year-old Jared Tubbs, as well as two family dogs, jumped overboard as the boat was engulfed in flames. They were treated at a nearby hospital and were released. The cause of the fire is unknown. And still to come, a diamond footbridge spans a canyon in Georgia hundreds of feet above the ground. It offers a -a one-of-a-kind but nerve-testing viewing experience. We'll have all that and more for you after this short break. SpaceX completed a record triple header Sunday, completing three successful launches in 36 hours. The final of the three launches took place at 12.27 a.m. Eastern from the Cape Canaveral Space Force Station in Florida Sunday. Sunday's Global Star satellite launch capped the fastest three-flight sequence for an orbit-class rocket in modern space history. The SpaceX trifecta started Friday when a Falcon 9 rocket took off from the Kennedy Space Center with a batch of Starlink satellites. 22 hours later on Saturday, another Falcon 9 took off from Vandenberg Space Force Base in California. A new glass bridge spans a spectacular canyon in the eastern European country of Georgia. It's become a magnet for tourists from around the world, but it takes some courage to step on it. Let's take a look. Stretching across the wild Dash Bash Canyon in southern Georgia, a breathtaking glass footbridge is now officially open. With a diamond-shaped cafe dangling in the center, this 780-foot transparent walkway has a fitting name, the Diamond Bridge. I have to say it's one of the most amazing places I've ever seen in the world. And as a travel blogger, I travel a lot. And the Diamond Bridge, I think it will be the most Instagrammable place It will be all over the internet. It's so beautiful. The bridge sits more than 600 feet above the floor of the canyon, offering a panoramic view of its high cliffs and waterfalls. The tickets are priced at around $1 to start. Visitors are already arriving, treading carefully over the glass panels beneath their feet. It's very unusual, but very scary too. I'm shaking all inside. It's really very high, but the nature is amazing. It's more exciting than scary. It's very beautiful, very nice view on the canyons. And yeah. all, all the way was great with this bridge. For adrenaline junkies, the zipline bike ride is another must try. It's strong, like it's not going to fall and I, you feel the bike, you feel this uh, here, you feel everything. And when you, you're looking down, it's, it's I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. It's amazing. Construction of the project began in 2019. It received an investment of about $39 million from the Israeli company Castland and their aim to offer visitors a different but safe ecotourism area. The idea to realize this challenging and beautiful project came because since 2014, in the world, there has been an increased interest toward ecotourism. And since 2019 in Georgia, there has also been an increased demand towards wilderness areas. 
This was an inspiration to realize this beautiful project. Local tourist officials say they are tapping into a growing market as people hunt for destinations in the wilderness. Israel's largest tourism company, the Ista Group, hopes the bridge will attract more visitors to the site. This is one of the most spectacular resorts that we've ever built. I mean, as part of the Ista Group with a great partnership of the Georgians, Israelis, and it's coming for the benefit of tourists that will come from all over corners of the world. According to Castland, they offer tours to more attractions in the canyon, as well as villas and hotels, among other amenities. If someone shares gossip with you about others, chances are they may gossip about you to someone else. Want to correct this? Here's Gina Marie, who brings us Strong Mind and Body. Words are like bullets. Once released, you can't control the damage they do. So why do people gossip? Does it make them feel good to be putting someone down? How do you feel when someone engages in this behavior? Is it a challenge you could do without? Let's find ways to work with it constructively. Number one, remain neutral. Some things are just better left unsaid. Make a personal rule to never talk about people behind their back. If someone asks your opinion, say something that won't be offensive. Rather than get tied up, think of an errand so you can quietly leave. Number two, hang out with the right people. Avoid gossipy people. Spend time with people who mind their own business and stick with them. Number three, go with the flow. This doesn't mean adding fuel to the fire. If you are tempted, don't give in to it. Keep your thoughts to yourself. Wait, the conversation will likely change, then join when the topic is worthwhile. Number four, watch what you say. If someone raises certain issues which you know to be trouble, always be truthful. Be cautious and honest to head off any rumors that may be inaccurate. Number five, be patient. If people are talking about you, smile and stay professional. Don't let anger get the better of you. Keep a lid on it, as they say. If someone starts to bother you, let them know you'll stand up for yourself. Number six, when all else fails, laugh it off. If someone is too offensive, learn to laugh it off. Getting mad takes too much energy. If your colleagues or mates see that you keep cool when someone is bugging you, chances are they'll leave you alone in the future. And in biking, a Colombian, Leonardo Paez, won his seventh title at the Hero South Tyrol Dolomites mountain biking race, while former German national champion Adelheid Marat won the women's race by over 15 minutes. The race, billed as the world's toughest mountain bike race, is a 53-mile ride for the men and 37-mile ride for the women. It passes the Dolomites in Italy's South Tyrol. Paez last won the race in 2019. He was joined on the podium by fellow Colombian Diego Arias. An Italian biker came third. In the women's race, Marat pushed on the climbs to come in 15 minutes and 23 seconds ahead of 2021 Italian champion Deborah Piana for the victory. Elena Godoni was the four-time Italian champion and Hero South Tyrol Dolomites winner in 2017. She was third at just 36 seconds behind Piana. This race was the first of three stages. The next two races will take place in the desert of Dubai and the jungle of Thailand in the November this year. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to put our email address on screen. We'd love to hear from you. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.